Hi, welcome to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. We are broadcasting from two very hot Steve McGee shipping containers in Bushwick, Brooklyn, located next to Roberta's Pizza at 261 Moore Street. And there is, on top of this repurposed shipping container, a garden that produces food for the restaurant. I'm Carmen DeVito. And I'm Alice Marcus-Craig. And we are the gardeners of Groundworks, Inc. We build... Uh, design, build, and maintain gardens throughout New York City. And our show, We Dig Plants, aims to bring the culture to horticulture. On today's show, we will be talking about protecting our nation's agriculture, our native landscapes, and our food supply from foreign invaders of the plant and animal kind. (laughs) So what do I mean by invaders? Well, you know, most gardeners here in the Northeast have heard of the terrible problem with the Japanese longhorn beetle and its voracious appetite for many of our hardwood trees. And of course, southern gardeners have had to do battle with kudzu vine running rampant for decades. These plant and animal species came from somewhere else and left unchecked can do irreparable damage to our native ecosystems. So what are we doing about it as a nation and who is in charge of protecting our agricultural and plant resources? Obama. (laughs) This year? Well, that would be the USDA. And they have a special department called APHIS, dedicated to protecting our nation from potentially dangerous foreign plants, pests, and pathogens. APHIS is not to be confused with aphid. That's right. (laughs) Gardener pun. (laughs) Um, So to introduce and enlighten us on this broad and really important topic, we have as our guest, Alan Green, who is the executive director for PPQ's Plant Health Programs. Welcome, Alan. Thanks, Carmen. Welcome. Um, Alan Green has been the executive director for PPQ's plant health program since 2004, and he provides the leadership in the day-to-day management of a wide array of programs, including management of the phytosanitary issues, permits, quarantine policy, taxonomic services, regulatory coordination, and strategic planning, among many other things. Alan graduated with a master's degree in plant pathology from Rutgers University. A local guy. That's great. That's right. From Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, You're from good. Brooklyn? I didn't know that. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, what part of Brooklyn? Street? Bensonhurst. That's where I live. That's so weird. We'll have to talk. See, one in eight people you meet is from Brooklyn. <laughs> That's right. This is really great. So we know we're going to have a really good conversation. Um, now, Alan has 28 years experience in the USDA, beginning his career in 1979 with the Federal Grain Inspection Service in Philadelphia. And he's had many, many different positions um, within APHIS. Now, Alan, tell us what I, I threw around some some letters. Tell us what PPQ and APHIS stands for and what its mission is. Okay, thanks. Uh, APHIS, or the Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service, um, is, is charged with uh, protecting uh, the nation's animal and plant resources. I would say our primary mission is preventing the entry of um, exotic pests and diseases that threaten our agriculture and our environment. Uh, we have a, a wide variety of programs, though, that include surveillance uh, for pests and diseases, management of introduced pests. Mm-hmm. We even do things in, in APHIS like wildlife damage management and promoting animal welfare. My role in APHIS is, is, is purely on, on the plant side as, as mm-hmm. executive director of our uh, Plant Protection and Quarantine, or PPQ's, Plant Health Programs. Um, 
our plant health program's emphasis is purely on pest exclusion. Uh, we, we defend uh, the, what we consider the nation's resources through various programs to prevent the introduction and spread of exotic pests and diseases by targeting things like cargo, which could be um, a host or a pathway for exotic pests and diseases, international travelers, right. conveyances that can carry these things, even mail and express carriers. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we try uh, to uh, exclude the pests, but um, pest exclusion is, is what we call a, a safeguarding continuum that starts um, offshore with, with um, sort of uh, collecting information that could be useful about emerging pests and outbreaks that threaten us, uh, using that information to uh, create regulatory policy, uh, and then doing things like uh, informing our domestic partners to, um, uh, to do uh, surveillance or trapping uh, for that pest, telling our partners at Customs and Border Protection what the pest looks like, how it travels on, on a fruit or a, or a flower or something like that, what to look for. Or in somebody's uh, pocket. <laughs> or in someone's pocket, which is, is, is common. And an example is, sort of puts it, uh, puts it in focus is uh, we've recently become aware of a fairly serious pest. It's a tomato leaf miner, and it has, the name is Tuta absoluta, which always puts a smile on people's faces, but it's actually a very serious tomato pest that was in South America and has spread to Europe. And we don't trade much with, toma- uh, with tomatoes from South America, but we do right. buy a lot of tomatoes, uh, as you might see in the store, from, uh, from Europe. And we realized that, that we weren't fully protected there. So we changed our reg- regulatory policies. We don't allow field-grown tomatoes. We have very strict uh, safeguards for the greenhouse-grown tomatoes, even in, in Europe. We've alerted Customs and Border Protection what the pest looks like, uh, to be on the lookout, especially if there's stems and calyxes, the green parts uh, that come on tomatoes nowadays. And we've even talked to our domestic partners about uh, surveillance and survey and, you know, to, to, to be on the lookout so uh, if they could catch the pest if it is introduced in the United States. So that's the kind of safeguarding continuum that we work with in, in pest exclusion. And in fact, APHIS, um, from what I was reading when I was doing research, kind of started after the Japanese, is it true the, the Japanese sent over a first batch of cherry trees as a gift yeah. in 1910? Yes. Okay, and they uh, they had some kind of problem, and they had to actually be rejected. Isn't that right? Yes, the first shipments were rejected. There's oriole and fruit moth and other pests uh, were, were found on them, and uh, there was terrible pictures of the of the of the trees being burned. But eventually, the, the, the trees were introduced uh, safely from Japan, so it was a success story. But that was the the um, kind of the the first um, the the origin of, of APHIS and. Uh, realizing that there's real threats out there that could uh, that could harm our environment or agriculture and trying to do something to prevent that. So can you give us some examples of foreign pests and plants that are now a serious threat to our agriculture or landscape, other than the tomato that you just talked sure. about? Sure. Um, you actually alluded to one of them, the Asian longhorn beetle. And uh, th- th- there's a number of very serious environmental pests, pr- primarily forest pests that, uh, that threaten us. Um, they very often come in in things like crates and wood packing material. And the problem was that for, for 200 or more years we dealt with northern Europe. That's where, who we traded with. And right. uh, we sort of knew the pests and uh, we, we had things in place to prevent them. But starting in the 1990s, we were sort of unprepared for the huge volumes of trade that, that started coming from uh, China and, and some of the other Asian par- uh, trading partners. And they were tempered pests. They have environments very like the United States, mm-hmm. uh, but totally different pests. And what happened is they were traveling in the wood packing material in the crates, and 
that's how we got uh, Asian longhorn beetle, as you know all too well in New York. Uh, it's horrible. It, it's really a serious problem. Yes, and, and maple trees, a lot of the hardwoods, yeah. and the emerald ash borer was introduced into Michigan, and this is a, a catastrophic pest. It, it only hits ash trees, but uh, I've seen neighborhoods like in Michigan where they planted all ash trees where every tree is dead from this pest, and right. it, it, it like is spreading. Yeah. It's exactly like a disease, like the Dutch elm. That's that's right. And places like Minnesota, where it's a very important forest pest, it's it's potentially uh, uh, devastating. So we have taken action. Um, we now require all wood packing material be, to be heat treated against these woods. It has to be heated for a period of time at a certain temperature to kill the pests inside. But it was kind of too late for emerald ash borer. And we do have done, eradication programs, as you know, though, for uh, Asian longhorn beetle. So that's done, um, just so, so we understand the process, that's done when it comes into the United States? Or before? Before, before. Before. And it has to have an international stamp on it. And uh, Customs and Border Protection routinely checks the wood packing material. And uh, as an inspector, you used to find this, this wood infested almost all the time. And now it's very rare, and it's usually because people cheat on the markings. Um, and oh. we do things when we find that also. Yeah. We, we re-export the cargo. We don't let it in if we find that they've cheated on the on the um, yeah sure on the uh, uh, the, the treatment. Right. But an- another way things move in the United States, like emerald ash borer, is firewood. And and I just would like to to mention that that uh, very often the, your ash tree dies in your backyard because it has emerald ash borer. So what do you do? You cut it down and use it for firewood when you go camping in the next state. And that's oh. that's really uh, how it moves around. People leave some infested firewood behind and. Suddenly, it's 100 miles away it's, uh, or, two or more, you have a, an infestation. And we actually have a, uh, if, if you look on the web over on don'tmovefirewood.org, uh, there's a really good information about not, not using local, your, your firewood to use local firewood local, at campgrounds right, uh, right. for that reason. Yeah. So this sounds like a really serious problem. Can you quantify it for us in, in sort of economic terms and in terms of our food security? How, how serious is the, is the this sort of pest problem, not just the emerald ash borer, but what can it cost us if, if it's not, you know, regulated and, and checked? Well, it, there, there's many different uh, types of losses. And an example is, is not so much an environmental but an agricultural pest like the uh, light brown apple moth was recently introduced into California from New Zealand and, or Australia. It could have come with passenger baggage, like you said, in someone's pocket. It could have come on cargo. But that att- attacks a wide variety of, of fruit like apples, uh, pears, citrus grapes, and some ornamentals, roses, a number of, of ornamentals. And you, you have the field losses, but you also you the the uh, farmers have to spray a lot of pesticide to control it. So you have the field losses, the pesticide, uh, the cost of pesticide, and the environmental concerns about pesticide. And then you have uh, sometimes um, losses in export markets. Countries want to protect themselves against that pest. And we have hundreds of millions of dollars in exports in those commodities uh, alone that gets threatened by, by that kind of a pest like that. So mm-hmm. a single pest really could have the potential for tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars worth of, uh, of losses and exports. Right, right. So how do you coordinate with other nations so that we can uh, keep abreast of these diseases? Well, there's a number of things. When, when uh, there's, there's uh, an international plant protection convention, and, and it establishes sort of rules of, of plant protection. And uh, when countries do have new pests, like outbreaks, like we have light brown apple moth, there are ways that, that you uh, tell the world about it. You, you sort of announce that so countries can take uh, actions to sort of protect themselves. 
And in addition to that, um, we have a, a number of, uh, of uh, programs like uh, offshore pest information program. Um, is is a, we have people overseas that. Uh, work with universities, with foreign governments, uh, to try to identify uh, emerging pests like that tomato uh, uh, mm -hmm. miner in, in Europe. You identify these pests that so you could take action. And we have like a team of analysts that speak a number of languages that, that search the, the web for open sources of information about pest outbreaks in South America or, or Asia or something like that. Uh, so, so we have the people overseas. We have these kind of analysts and, you know, we, we do uh, use that information for regulatory action. And then we have other programs like uh, where we work with foreign countries in Asia. There's a pest called Asian gypsy moth that it's different than, than the gypsy moth in the eastern United States and that Asian gypsy moth attacks uh, conifer trees like pines or spruce. Mm -hmm. And this it also the females fly so it could disperse uh, farther. Quickly, we don't right. want that pest. We consider a very serious pest. And we work with the foreign countries. What happens when the lights come on on the, on the uh, piers when they're loading the ships, it attracts the females. They lay their eggs on the containers and on the ships. Wow. And they find them all the time, both overseas and, and at our ports. So we work with the foreign countries to control the Asian gypsy moths in the ports and to inspect the containers and the ships to clean off and destroy any egg masses. And then we, we do the same thing when the ships arrive in the United States. We check the containers and the, uh, and the ships for, for egg masses. So that's the kind of thing where we work with our trading partners mm -hmm. uh, to mutually try to uh, reduce the pest uh, um, uh, threat that comes to the United States. So you guys have a big kind of wanted poster, right? <laughs> yeah. Or unwanted poster. Unwanted poster, right. <laughs> lots, lots of unwanted pests, yes. Well, we have to take a break. Sure. Uh, we'll be back in one second with Alan Green. And uh, you're listening to We Dig Plants on Heritage Radio Network. Course for Washington, D.C. Both ships are broadcasting on several frequencies. I can't decipher what they're saying. The words are apparently directed at each other. Here they come. Welcome back to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. You were just listening to an appropriately titled song called Invaders from the Planet by DJ Revolution. <laughs> Did you enjoy that, Alan? <laughs> little hip-hop, little Brooklyn hip-hop Put that on your you. website. Uh, <laughs> um, I'd just like to start uh, the second segment by reading some statistics to just show our listeners how much work you guys have to do. Um, you have 17 plant inspection stations. Is that correct? Yes. And you, uh, APHIS, has inspected more than 1.3 billion non-endangered plants and plant parts, excluding seeds, more than 33 million endangered plants and plant parts, excluding seeds, and more than 1.4 million kilograms of seeds. And APHIS has intercepted more than 3,300 quarantine-significant pests or diseases and treated more than 17 million plants or plant parts and more than 15,000 kilograms of seeds. That's some data from 2006 from what I was able to gather. 
So you have a lot of material to inspect That's and to deal sure. with. Yeah. <laughs> so can you tell us some examples of some weird and strange items that you've had to confiscate? And what do you do with them? Um, well, as far as what we do with them, when, when we find uh, uh, pests that are considered quarantine-significant pests um, uh, at a port of entry, we'll either, if there is a treatment, like a fumigation, uh, we'll, we'll treat it, uh, but very often we'll have to re-export it or destroy the material if there, if there is no treatment. Um, some of the strange things that we've, I, I would say, that came to mind um, uh, Recently, it was a couple of years ago, actually, uh, we, we became aware that Christmas trees that were showing up in the box stores and some of the craft shops, uh, they were made out of the limbs of plants from, from Asian countries. And uh, what looked like really innocuous when we inspected these, when we cut, when we cut into the wood, we were finding serious forest pests in, in the wood on these um, Christmas trees. And it resulted in us uh, banning that type of, of Christmas tree. And we're still working with the, with the foreign governments uh, to come up with a, uh, an appropriate treatment that we feel would be safe. But uh, here you had a an really innocuous uh, item that turned out to be a, um, a pathway for, for serious pests. Wow, and so that was like not a living plant, but like just an artificial, an artificial tree that had a wooden stem is what you're saying. Right, it was limbs of, of trees they were oh. using, like about three inches in diameter as, as the trunk of the Christmas tree, and it had bark on it, and it had, I guess, enough moisture in life that it was uh, supporting these um, uh, beetle larvae that, that wow. uh, dig into the, into the wood. Another and, um, reason to avoid the fake Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if, if your philosophy is, you know, buy local, get your firewood local, get yeah. your yeah. food local, you know, then you right. will be less likely to introduce, you know, pests and, right. you know, noxious weeds. Mm -hmm. But we didn't get into too much about, we, we've done a lot on insects. What about plants? Let's talk about plant pests that and how they get introduced a little bit. Okay. Okay. Uh, you mean like on plants, like like you say, uh, plant material is inspected at the uh, plant inspection stations. Those seventeen uh, plant inspection stations that mm -hmm. um, uh, that that you were mentioning, and uh, the thing about plants, plants for planting, is mm -hmm. unlike an orange or something, when you plant a plant, the, the pest has a, a home instantly. It's um, right. uh, the risk of... of it's of, cultivated, um, right. Yeah, but staying and, and uh, being introduced and spreading is much greater when you bring it in on a plant. And that's why we have a fairly strict um, uh, regulations for planting material or for living plants. That's why I can't bring my bankasia over from South Africa. <laughs> yes, and thank you for not doing that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that a little bit later about what you're allowed to bring and how. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking about invasive plant species, Alan. Um, oh. How do those, how does that happen? And, and give us some examples of that, and you know, like the uh, kudzu vine and other things that were yeah, uh, a problem. Yes, we, there, there's um, really hundreds of, uh, of, of what we consider noxious weeds, and we are... Uh, um, in the process of finalizing a, a, a regulation that's going to greatly increase the number of um, plants that we're prohibiting because we because they've been recognized internationally as as uh, as being weeds. Um, but like uh, there's a soda apple tree in in Florida that uh, you know is, is sort of an innocuous plant, but it sort of starts taking over the Everglades when it's introduced. Right. The, the kudzu plant, the mile a minute plant that you probably you, we have it here in Maryland. Uh, it's probably in the York as well. Uh -huh. uh, it really just covers things up, and uh, th th there is just many, many plants that, um, uh, especially in the absence of their native uh, 
uh, biocontrol organisms they, they just spread rampantly when when they're introduced and uh, they're, they're you know they're tremendous weed problems right like fragmite fra- the fragmites that are mm-hmm. all over the Jersey Turnpike and all through Maryland and New York and mm-hmm. any kind of water induced area and they just take over yeah yeah so where uh, so for example you gave an example of how the pests come in an example was a Christmas tree stems. How did these noxious plants get in? Do you have uh, an idea of how this happened? Um, Was this like turn of the century, you know, lack of knowledge and they came in via gardeners or? It's it's very often just as contaminants on things that, uh, Mm. you you know, there'll there'll be uh, some sort of uh, straw-like material or packed material. And when you look at it closely, it's it's, uh, full of, um, of weed seeds. Some of the grains are, are almost right. almost uh, invariably uh, infested with with weed seeds. Uh, things that you would never expect, like the um, uh, the vents in a in a maritime container where the air comes in. When you look on the screens, you find weed seeds. They, they really yeah. it really could come in uh, come in on someone's clothing even. Uh, and then even there's things like water spinach where. It's considered a, a noxious weed, but people bring it in and, and they cultivate it yeah. uh, because it's a, a food it, in, you know, in Asia. Right, right. So it's a wide variety of um, inadvertent and deliberate uh, ways that it, it really just takes one seed, to, in many cases, to, if it's self-pollinating, to, uh, to, to cause an outbreak of a plant. So you said you're getting str- more stringent um, about uh, controlling um, the uh, invasive plants. Um, from what I had read, um, after the events of 9-11, um, there was a new uh, sort of Bioterrorism Act of 2002. Is that right, Alan? Yes. And how uh, did the- that impact your department and what you all are doing now? Okay, for, for our department, that, that uh, focuses mostly on um, uh, agents that are considered uh, very dangerous and uh, for them to be used in laboratories, like um, on, the, on the human's front, something like anthrax, oh, okay. uh, very dangerous. You don't want people taking that in, but at the same time, you want to allow some research on it. So on the plant side, there, there are serious, uh, some serious plant diseases that are also listed at, uh, under this uh, act. And what APHIS does is we regulate the laboratories. We, we have strict permitting for these, uh, these dangerous organisms. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everyone could get it. You, you actually have to sort of have some sort of um, a background check to be able to uh, import or move uh, interstate these, uh, these serious um, uh, plant pathogens or human pathogens. Mm-hmm. And the laboratories have strict containment uh, requirements, security, um, m- making sure that nothing could escape from the, the laboratory um, you know, so, so, so that's w- with APHIS. We regulate the facilities, the containment facilities that deal with these um, serious listed uh, plant pest uh, okay. disease uh, agents. Wow. So, um, what advice can you give the casual gardener who just wants to bring back a botanical souvenir from abroad? Okay. Other I than just... don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, the two the two pieces of advice would first do your homework and then declare everything when you arrive at the, at the port of entry and uh, we, we regulate by the type of plant or the scientific name of the plant and the country of origin and as you said there's these inspection stations but m- many many plants really are allowed enterable into the United States but uh, what we require is a document from the foreign country called a phytosanitary certificate it's actually issued by the foreign country saying it came from that country it is this genus and species of plant. It's free of pests and diseases. And the way to um, find out what is enterable is, is really on the APHIS website, the APHIS, 
imports.usda.gov. If you search through there you, on imports, you will be able to find the, the, the plants that are prohibited into the United States or have strict restrictions. But everything else is enterable. So if you could find out that your plant is enterable, then the next thing is you'd need a phytosanitary certificate overseas. Right. And there's a website. It's the International Plant Protection Convention, IPPC. Uh, their website lists all the contacts in each country that that responsible for issuing phytosanitary certificates. So if you want to know how to get a phytosanitary certificate in France, that, that's where oh. you would have to start. So well, in other words, don't just dig a plant. You see a plant somewhere, in a, let's say, in your um, friend's garden in France. You can't just dig it up, put it in a small pot, and stuff it in your luggage. That's just not going to fly, right? It's not going to fly. Yeah. And th- the other rule is you can't bring in growing medium. You really have to wash off all the roots, all the uh, soil and growing medium from the roots and just sort of wrap it in, in newspaper. Right. But if you can't get the phytosanitary certificate from that country and you take the soil off and it is enterable, uh, small lots of 12 or less plants can come into the United States. With the certificate. With the certificate, yes. That's, and yeah. then the other thing is seeds can come in too, and they don't need the certificate but they do need a permit, and yet you have to go on our website, and there's something called electric permits or e-permits that mm-hmm. you would apply for a permit in advance. And if you had the permit and the seeds were enterable, uh, you, you can't come in without the phytosanitary certificate at the airport. Well, and chances are also there's a nursery here in the United States that has what you're what you found, you know, oh, if you do some 95%. research. Almost ninety-five percent. Yeah, and they're and they're um and they're set up to get the certificate mm-hmm. and to right. you know exactly. to fill out all the forms and everything. But you know, when you go to Hawaii or yeah. you go to the Bahamas or you go, you know, in the and summer, you just want to bring back some of those grapefruits, you know, or or papayas. some, you know, you, a lot of times I bet it's orchids that people bring through that they really want that are probably rare here or more expensive and they just kind of want to smuggle them in you know uh yeah orchids also fall into the convention in international trade and endangered species the oh societies. i'm really glad that you mentioned that because i was going to ask you about that that's another yeah. area that you um, also um, sort of oversee right you have to look out for that people yes. aren't bringing in endangered species right trilliums uh, right yes right. yes trilliums and uh, are- yeah. We do check that at, at the uh, plant inspection stations and, and Customs and Border Protection at the airports will check that, that you have the proper permits for uh, endangered species. And orchids, uh, probably orchids and cactus are the two biggest, like, because they're regulated by family uh, right. uh, for, for, as endangered species. You're right, uh, orchids are, are a problem in that regard. So how, how is it then, I mean, you know, you, you all have your kind of checklists and, and you're all plant people, but then there's, you know... The guy who has the job at JFK, you know, who's not a horticulturist, and he has to all of a sudden learn all of this information. Well, That's part of your training, is that yes, right? Yes, and, and uh, since 2003, at, at the ports of entry like, like JFK Airport, there's agricultural specialists working for Customs and Border Protection. They are agricultural specialists. They're, uh, they, they, they have the degrees in biology. They're, they're, oh, they okay. go through the training. And then it, 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 we also have a plant inspection station for plant material that that's, uh, APHIS specialists love, entomologists and plant pathologists and botanists at the plant inspection station. Those will be working for APHIS. At, at, at JFK. So you really will have both, but the okay. first pair of eyes that sees it will be the Customs and Border Protection right. Agricultural Agent. They're very well trained, and you know they, they, they did everything that we did when, when the USDA was at the ports of entry. Okay. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's sure. been very, very eye-opening. Okay. And uh, we and really appreciate all the work that you all do to keep us safe. We'll <laughs> put a link um, uh, to your website on our Facebook fan page. Great. So okay. that people can get more information. It's lots, there's lots to know about, about this. And we really appreciate you taking the time to, to speak with us, Alan. Uh, it's just a, it's a pleasure. A very welcome. Anytime. Uh, uh, we're always happy to do that. Thank you. Great. Okay. Thank you. Right. Bye-bye. Well, you've been listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. This show will be available for listening via archive at heritageradionetwork.com and also via podcast. We will be posting a link, as I said, to um, APHIS's website on our Facebook fan page. I'd like to thank our sponsor today, Hearst Ranch. Hearst Ranch is the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. Since 1865, the Hearst family has raised cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of the central California coast. The result is beef with extraordinary flavor that's as memorable and natural as the surrounding landscape. For more information, go to www.hearstranch.com. We'd also like to thank Jack Inslee for producing and Nat Wiener for engineering and to Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Thanks for listening. See you in the garden. Happy gardening. Happy gardening.